Hello and welcome to episode 59 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have a review of Doomsday Clock 11, A Lifelong Mistake, and Batman, Curse of the White Knight, Issue 1, Book 1, and Issue 2, Book 2. This is your spoiler alert for Doomsday Clock 11 and all the issues in the series before, and your spoiler alert for the first two issues of Batman, Curse of the White Knight. Your creative team on Doomsday's Clock is writer is Jeff Johns, pencil and inks by Gary Frank, your colorist is Brad Anderson, your letterer is Rob Lee, your editors are Brian Cunningham, Bob Harris, Pat McCollum, and your cover artists are Gary Frank and Brad Anderson. Your creative team for Curse of the White Knight is Sean Gordon Murphy, writer, pencil, and inkler, inker, excuse me. And your colorist is Matt Hollingsworth. And the letter is AdWord Designs. Um, this is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Uh, Noah, before we do a deep dive, let's, uh, let's just do some general thoughts on these three books that we're going to talk about. Um, generally in- enjoyable across the board. Um, I, I, I think that you, both of them have like really strong strengths. And then at the same time, like uh, maybe less Doomsday Clock, but more Curse of the White Knight has a lot of story issues. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same thing. Doomsday Clock has issues as well in the story and script area. Um, and uh, I would say White Knight has issues in the story, script, and characters area. But both all across the board is just like, you know, you're not going to find better artwork than in both of these right now. No. Um, you know, both of them are just sort of beautiful. Like, you're not going to find books with just, like, better art out there. So it's it's just uh, it's the best that there is probably right now, and it's, it's, it's amazing. So Doomsday Clock 11 is our uh, next-to-last issue, and it's a little bit of um, a setup for what's to come in issue 12. But before yeah. that, we do, we do uh, get, uh, we get some movement on some of the, uh, the earlier storylines. Story yeah, there's definitely some... Uh, like, we talked about this months ago when we were going over issue 9, Mm-hmm. Um, where we were both talking about how these last issues are going to play out. And I think both of us agreed on like, there's going to be a huge exposition dump in one of these issues, whether it's going to be issue 11 or issue 12. And it's just sort of going to hit us all at one spot. And we're all going to be like, Oh yeah, but it's going to feel really forced. And I would say that was sort of how issue 11 was, was that it was setting up the last issue, but it was like a really long, arduous, exposition dump where it was explaining thing that was going on and i would say there was some of that in issue 10 as well with sort mm-hmm. of what manhattan has been doing there was a lot of like just like heavy like okay we've led you on at this point so now we're just going to answer all your questions at once and it, it can be done well and i don't think it's done the worst in this is like some other books have done it's not sheriff of babylon which i think that is the most clumsy like book as far as like just dumping all the answers on in one spot and it's sort of in a very boring way. Um, this book does it a little better with some show, not tell, but at the same time, there is still a pretty heavy handed, like let me explain everything kind of thing where, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it as the issue goes, as far as comparing it to the original Watchmen's exposition dump. But, um, 
yeah, that that's sort of my my big thing with this is the setup for issue twelve. Yeah, I, I I can see what you're saying there. I think what we got was ten. You know, we we tied up all of the loose ends like with uh, Manhattan, and yeah. here it seems like we tied up all the loose ends with um, our DCU characters, and then we sort of roller coaster ride into that, uh, alluding to that to that final showdown. There's still a lot of questions to be answered in this issue, and we'll get into it as we go. Because they they sort of ask questions, remind you of the other questions. That's another thing about this series is that it's coming out so far apart from each other that they have to be reminding you of what questions you're supposed to be asking throughout the whole book. So this book is a, does a good job of being like, oh, remember this is something you're supposed to be curious about too, because um, like you might have forgotten because issue nine came out eight months ago, nine months ago. You know that's uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been too too long since all between all the issues. So we sort of start off with uh, with Batman um, uh, stopping a stopping a uh, a missile launch, which was awesome. Yeah, um, I really like this sequence of Batman. Yeah, just these this these two pages of intercutting between uh, the the rioting, Alfred reading the 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 diary of Warshak's diary. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other cryptic images and uh, Ozymandias watching the TV, but I, I really did like that sort of opening with uh, Batman almost in a Justice League uh, sort of role because you never see Batman really venture outside of Gotham on his own until like, you know, there's like a Justice League or a universe-wide thing. So I always love that in an event where Batman gets involved in a global scale and mm-hmm. does cool stuff like that. Yeah. And then uh, after that, we sort of get, uh, we get uh, a little bit of uh, the storyline about uh, the attack on the, on the UN where, where yeah. Wonder Woman is. Um, so it almost for a lot of this, it's like, uh, uh, well, I mean, the first two pages are, are dedicated to, to Batman, but it's almost like every sort of, uh, element of the story you know the different characters it's just like you know one page and with the nine page or the nine panel grid you can get you can get a lot covered in it but it's almost like one page for this character and this this story aspect one page for this character so it, it moves along pretty pretty fast covers a lot of ground pretty fast as well yeah there's it moves along pretty fast and it touches on i was surprised at how much they were able to cram into this issue uh because there's not only uh, a huge info dump of Ozymandias, but there's a huge info dump from Lex Luthor as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and then, of course, reminding you of certain elements that we may have forgotten about by this point. So it, it does a good job of doing a lot in one issue. And you're right, it uses the nine panels to 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 do to utilize that um, to like to really push, you know. Um, to touch on every aspect of things even things from the last issue issue 10 they're constantly reminding you of the actor mm-hmm. and his role in this universe it's it's pretty cool it would be interesting if we could find out if um john's did any uh rewrites to deal yeah. with the deal with the 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 spacing of the issue like if he uh 
if he thought that like, you know, he had to go back and sort of rehash, you know, make sure that some of your characters are, you know, doing that, uh, you know, that, that, uh, you know, we, we've talked about sort of the Bond villain sort of, this is why I'm going to do this to you, Mr. Bond. Like there's a little bit of that. So I wonder if him being cognizant of the, the delays, he went back and maybe, uh, uh, added a little bit and, 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 and made sure that, uh, uh, you know, there was uh, subtle ways of trying to, to, to drop you back into the, into the story to remind you, um, cause you don't get the, you know, you don't uh, get the sort of the, the old Marvel recap page here in the first, you know, it's, it's, no. you, we're just dropped right in. So they, they have to, they have to fill in, um, and bring everybody up to speed. It also has to, especially with Lex Luthor's thing, and kind of like in the last issue where they had to explain that Dr. Manhattan was the reason behind all the DC reboots in the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they had to remind you how this ties into Rebirth on Lex Luthor's story. Yes. Not in a nine-panel grid, but in a in a 12-panel grid page, they explain it. Um and uh, I guess it was still technically, well, no, it's not. It's still, it's a nine panel. It's a, it's a 12 panel grid on page 11. And uh, he explains how everything Manhattan has even had his hand in, in certain things like the flashpoint mm-hmm. and, and bringing uh, Barry Allen, not bringing Barry Allen and Wally West back. Like he did at the beginning of, of, um, of rebirth. Yes. John's wrote. Um, so there's a, there's a lot going on here as, as far as now, this is sort of the, uh, this is the issue where they definitely address the fact that this is an event book mm-hmm. and not its own graphic novel or anything like that. Yeah. So we, we do get, uh, we do get the le- recap from, from Luther. Um, and, uh, we, we do see sort of the ramifications of, uh, the, the larger, uh, DC universe. Um, and, uh, you know, we also, we also get Superman up and up and at it, uh, and, and, and ready to go. Um, uh, yeah, so- I love, I love how Gary Frank draws Superman later in the issue, sort of when he's, uh, you know, back in the saddle as mm-hmm. it were, um, full Superman garb standing next to Ozymandias. So he has a great uh, top panel, like panel one on page 27. And the whole page 27 is pretty great. Um, where he sort of intervene, he shows up in, um, in, in New York to mm-hmm. face off with Manhattan, but you get that great hero shot at the top of him flying through the city, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I really like that. Uh, but to get not to get off topic, um, to to stay on topic, we have uh, back at the UN with Wonder Woman. You get some mm-hmm. cool hero shots on that page as well. That's page three, and uh, three quarters of the page is devoted to this great pose of her lassoing. Um, is it Giganta? That's her name, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. That's a cool, that's a cool shot. Right yeah. There. Yeah. And uh, then her getting uh, electrocuted is a pretty cool panel as well by um, Black Adam. 
and then the uh yeah i think uh having these action sequences intercut with these heavy dialogue scenes really helps the pace move along i don't know what you thought about that but yeah it certainly helps i mean uh it would be a bit of a uh a, a slog to get through and you know we we've talked about this in in the past that you know you do somebody does need to get you know punched in the face or or have some action yes. in, in a superhero comic so it's a good way to sort of have the up moments and then the down moments where you can uh you can uh move the story along it also helps the artist not to just draw two people talking to each other the whole time very true yeah. I'm sure that would be a slog to get through as well, where you're just having a shot reverse shot of a conversation or something like that. Yeah. So um, we, 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 we've talked about Luther and, um, you know, explaining stuff to, to Lois and uh, Superman uh, being up and, and moving again. Uh, we do get a little bit of, uh, a little bit of action with or, or storytelling with uh, the, the, the Rorschach that we've been seeing in, in this. Yeah. Uh, um, so what did, what did you think about uh, this, th- this part of the comic? It was very touching. I really like, um, I like Alfred, of course, just being the father figure to every character, basically in the DC universe being consistent. Um, I really love uh, what Jeff Johns and, and Gary Frank did on, uh, batman earth one mm-hmm. in that book they sort of make uh they show they have a very well-rounded version of alfred where he's sort of harder on bruce wayne but still a father figure to him and uh like so jeff johns is really good at writing the character and it almost it makes me wish he'd write him more but i like how he sort of realizes after he reads the diary he can fully empathize with the new rorschach completely so he knows what he wants and he knows that bruce wayne needs him because he's the one that sort of like is uh maybe the most even-minded out of all of them and the most confused but at the same time could be the one that doesn't get caught up in his own universe um yeah i also really like how they uh there's the the nine panel page where uh Alfred is making the pancakes and the one pancake looks like a Rorschach Mm -hmm. drawing um, as well. That's just some clever art right there. Um, Yeah. What did you think of it? Um, I liked it and it's, it's still, we still have a lot of questions surrounding, surrounding this character. So we should get some more resolution with, with him in, in issue 12. Um, What's interesting for me, as far as reading this book goes, when I first read the first issue, now almost two years ago, mm-hmm. he was the character that I was the most hesitant about because, um, and, and a lot of people were as well, because they were like, Rorschach is such a singular, like if there's one character that's the most unique out of all the characters in Watchmen, it's, it's Rorschach and probably Dr. Manhattan and mm-hmm. the comedian. They're sort of like the tenpole characters, right? Um so, but like Rorschach was the one that people were the most like, they were like, oh, they don't understand this character or anything like that. Like from the first issue, people were like, this guy doesn't understand it. And I remember us probably talking about it back then. And I'm like, I wonder if that's a conscious decision is that this guy doesn't understand who Rorschach is. 
and he's almost trying to be he's like a pale imitation and they use that within the story and then something that like we thought was like going to be the most uh like the farthest thing from representing Alan Moore's work or homaging his writing ended up being the closest thing to like an Alan Moore character. Mm-hmm. And especially in this sequence where he's having the dream uh, where he sees his dad walking through the prison and then like being burnt alive. And then the Mothman emerges and then morphs into Rorschach's mask and mm-hmm. strangles him. That's so Alan Moore and so Dave Gibbons in that sequence. Mm-hmm. And probably my favorite issue of this series was the one where they go into his origins and they talk about him meeting the Mothman in the asylum and everything. That was like, you know, that was probably the most like, like cool tribute to what Alan Moore and uh, Dave Gibbons did on the original book. And I think the, this sequence right here is sort of shows how this character is probably the coolest addition to that universe. Mm-hmm. And I really want to see more of him. Yeah, and the way he exits um, after after uh, Alfred comes to him, he's uh, he's most likely going to, to pop up here again. Oh, definitely. I'm just he. It's it's going to be interesting to see how he pops up. Um, yeah, I really like how they've they they sort of pointed out early on in the issue when he realizes the truth of the matter that Ozymandias had been lying to him. He dropped sort of trying to talk like Rorschach. Rorschach or anything like that he's just himself at this point and um yeah I also like how they sort of talked about him people ripping out parts of the diary that kind of thing mm-hmm. almost like their interpretation of Rorschach is sort of if you think of him as the hero or the right person you're not looking at the whole picture you know um yeah I really like his character and what they're doing with him so after that, we get a little bit from the the mime and the marionette. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, they uh, they meet up with uh, with the big blue guy um, as they're as they're moving about. Uh, but then um, they they uh, they they exit as well. So there's a lot of these characters that are that are. Um, exiting the story i wonder if um you know even if they don't show back up in in the end of the la- the, the next issue here um they could very well be off care off 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 stage for a while yeah. and then show back up whatever whatever happens with this uh impacting the 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 dcu yeah well what's yeah, well, the, the big question that they have to answer for, in my book, at least from my opinion, they have to answer what the comedian's doing there. And yeah. he shows up for one panel while the mime and the marionette are are wreaking havoc. Mm-hmm. And no one's brought up anything about what he's doing there, what his purpose is. Like, is he from the alternate universe? Is he something else? You know, that's something that they have to answer because that's, he is the inciting incident for the whole Watchmen story. So him coming back to life is the thing that's been kind of pushed off to the side. So I'm wondering if, it is, if everything's sort of misdirection and he's the answer to everything because they're kind of not making a big deal about him being there. So either they're doing that and it's disappointing or they're doing that for a reason because he's going to play a huge part in how everything ends up. Um, and then another character is that we haven't heard any mention of outside of just the owl ship is uh, Laurie and Dan from the original original Watchmen book. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, we find out how they play into all of this in those pages. So we we know that from the beginning why Ozymandias brought the mime and the marionette in there is because they have a link to Dr. Manhattan because he spared their lives during a bank robbery. Mm -hmm. And we never knew why. We thought it was because of compassion. But then we found out in this issue that it's because uh, the, the marionette is going to have a baby that will be adopted by Dan and Lori. So Dr. Manhattan saw that that was going to happen. And because of his love for Lori, he spared her life, uh, which I thought was a cool thing. I wonder how that's going to play into things. Mm -hmm. um, if that little girl is going to come up again, or if that's just going to be something that passes by. Um, it, and it plays also into how Ozymandias knows how to manipulate John's emotions. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's something that's revealed in the big exposition dump. And that's sort of our first acknowledgement of where they are in the world and it's kind of nice that they didn't get dragged into this because their story really ended nicely at the end of Watchmen. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so from there we, uh, we get, uh, we get a little bit of uh, Manhattan and, and Ozymandias uh, sort of talking to each other um, and uh, uh, after that, there's a, there's, there's, um, you know, s you know, s some flashbacks to uh, what happened with Firestorm. Yeah. Which we find out again was manipulated all by Ozymandias using mm -hmm. uh, the power within Bubastis to uh, cause him to explode. And then, uh, then that looks like it was Superman protecting Firestorm who was about to commit like mass murder mm -hmm. so that everybody would turn against Superman and uh, the world would turn into something chaotic. We don't know. We know that in this speech that Ozymandias wants the world to turn against Superman and uh, he wants Superman then to turn against Dr. Manhattan. He wants it all look like Manhattan's doing everything. Mm -hmm. And all he says is that that's going to save both of their worlds, but we don't know how. That's that's the biggest question, I guess, at the end of this issue. Well, there's a lot of questions, but maybe that's the biggest one posed, is how this is going to save both of their universes. Yeah. I really like the, the uh, half, I guess, the three-quarters panel on uh, page 22. Uh, it's cool to see... Uh, Doctor, uh, not Doctor. Sorry, Mister Miracle and Big Barda being so prevalent on the page. Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder again if that's just because of them being more popular these days because of Tom King and Mitch Jared series. Very, yeah, it's very possible. Yeah, that's so, a great. That's a great page right there as far as the composition of all the superheroes. It's just mm -hmm. well laid out. So from there, we, we, we move to the, we, we move, well, there's a little bit, but we move to, to the White House. Um, the, they're trying to, to evacuate the, the president, but they, they're unable to because uh, the, the villains show up. Um, but then, the, and, you know, Superman shows up there as well. And there's a, you know, there's a back and forth between uh, Black Adam and, and Superman. Um, 
what did you think about that uh, that part of the story? It was cool. I love uh, again. I just you know, Gary Frank knows how to draw superheroes really well. And uh, panel three. So I guess the bottom panel of page twenty four is really great. A great wide shot of all the villains mm-hmm. with Black Adam in the middle, and there's like an exploded helicopter, like Air Force One helicopter in the background. Yeah, on the, on the lawn. And then um, panel three of page 25 is a great shot of Superman with the White House in the background. Mm-hmm. It's just a really cool heroic pose. Like he's just landed. There's smoke coming off of the ground. Uh, I guess that's a feet cop out right there. That's uh, oh, very yeah. frank. Not wanting to draw any feet right there because he's got smoke and dirt covering it. So good job, Gary. Cut down on your time. Not feet. And I guess even the bottom panel on page three, all their feet are sort of covered up as well, with the exception of Gigantus one foot. Uh, yeah. But there aren't many feet in that panel as well with all the characters in there. So Gary Frank yeah. going for the old foot. Uh, yeah, no, not drawing feet. Yeah, the, 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 you would think that the grass at the, you know, the, the White House would be, would be trimmed, but yeah. it's, con- it's conveniently high enough to, to, to cover feet there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, what? So, who is this character that Ozymandias is explaining all this to? I can't remember. The 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 woman in the cell. Yeah, cause it's is it Johnny Thunder and the other one? I th- yeah, but this is uh, I think this is Saturn Girl from Saturn the, Girl. the the Legion because when she he tells her that like, uh, you know, they're not on her timeline so she's not really there and then she disappears the the legion ring um is is there so i'm pretty sure that's saturn girl and then that legion ring was a big part of issue nine when Mm -hmm. all the league went to um went to uh went to mars yeah and uh johnny thunder he has his jetpack is that what it is in the in his cell or is that a lantern i am not sure yeah um but she disappears uh thanos snap style yeah and that in that sequence um saturn girl does a uh, great shot of ozymandias walking down the uh the hallway with the cape flowing in the background on page 26 i guess that'd be panel seven yes it's a beautiful shot um I really like the center shot also. That's a, that's a cool thing. That's the coolest thing about a nine panel grid, right? Is that you can have that center panel that you can frame the whole story around. Mm-hmm. So each, each nine panel is really well constructed in that sense where the sole focus is, is like, it's, it's like a really cool, like very nicely framed panel. Mm-hmm. And I really love this one with the close up of Ozymandias petting Bubastis. That's just a really nice shot. And it, it really sticks out as the center because it, there's no red or pink, I guess, really in the shot except for that shot right there. So it really draws your eye to there. And the whole page is well composed around that shot as well. Yeah. And it clashes really nicely with the green on the final panel as well. Yeah, it complements it. Yeah. So um, that, uh, that takes us to, like, the, to the last two pages. Um, where we just we get a lot of uh people looking at each other and uh getting ready to square off and it is the two people that we've expected for the longest time to to square off we have uh 
we have Superman and we have uh, Dr. Manhattan um, getting ready to, to, uh, to battle it out. So that's, uh, that's where we stand at, uh, at the end of issue 11 with, with one more, one more issue to go. Now yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of epilogue, yeah. uh, you know, issue that we'd get, uh, at this point, we'd probably get it, uh, half a year from now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, cause you know, either that or this last, last issue is going to be, uh, uh, you know, more pages, but uh, I, I, I w- like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a bit of a an epilogue issue. Now, um, one question for you, and I, I don't know what to think of it, but Manhattan leaving the photos of him and uh, I can't remember her name from the original Watchmen story, but it's the photo from the original Watchmen story that the whole issue about Doctor Manhattan is framed around him dropping on Mars. Yeah. Uh, and then that's popped up throughout so many timelines, basically wherever Manhattan has changed the timeline, he's dropped the photo. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that's sort of like him recreating the photo every time and then dropping it? Is that a purposeful thing, do you think, on Manhattan's part? Or do you think that's just something he doesn't realize that he's doing? Mm, I would have to lean on it being on purpose because, you know, uh, he's so evolved that uh, I just don't see him making multiple multiple mistakes. You know, yeah. so I would I would think that uh, I would think that that's that's on purpose for some reason. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think if that would be yeah if it was on purpose for Lex Luthor to find, and then that means Lex Luthor is going to have a huge part in how this is going to end as well. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I like uh, the inevitability in this story a lot, you know, where like uh, they've been pushing this fight for so long, I guess, or this confrontation between Manhattan and Superman the whole time. So I really like, I guess, when you're dealing with time and uh, uh, like, you know, time being known, I guess, or like, I guess Manhattan's a time traveler in his own right as well. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, when you're dealing with time travel, this inevitability that things are supposed to happen a certain way in order for the universe to hold together. I just really like the drama around that. And I think this book handles it well. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see how this ends. Yeah, me too. Definitely. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's shift gears to the, to the second, uh, second uh, book we're going to talk about the first two issues of, uh, white Knight. This is the, uh, the second series, um, by uh, Sean Murphy um, in this this sort of alternate universe. So, um, what are what are your thoughts here? Uh, awesome art as always. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it, it. I think I like the story a little more than I liked White Knight, but it's starting out very similarly to how White Knight started out, where it's like it's really it's not slow, but there's not a lot of action, mm-hmm. you know. And like, or if there is some action, it doesn't last very long. And then it just ends up being people shouting at each other. And uh, that was a lot of what White Knight suffered from at the beginning, especially some of the other, like the middle issues where that was all that it was. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but the art's still phenomenal. Like, I mean, if you're going to draw, if you're going to have someone draw people just shouting at each other, it might as well be Sean Murphy. <laughs> but uh, I really like, there was, there's a certain point at White Knight where it was like, you could tell he was like, I just need people to start like driving around in cars. Yeah. And, uh, but now that I say that, I, I'm remembering how great the end sequence is in issue two. Mm-hmm. where the the back cave is is blowing up and that that's pretty amazing that was a pretty amazing sequence right there yeah and this series is a little different in that uh the the first one was a lot more linear of yes. like you, you you had the role reversal um with uh the joker and batman but this one is continuing that storyline but then going back and sort of filling in this uh this past storyline with uh some of the uh the 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 wayne uh relatives um coming to, coming to gotham so this one uh he's at least sort of expanded his uh his attempts at storytelling yeah there's uh and i really like the past storylines with um the original wayne and the original um i guess azrael's ancestor mm-hmm. i really like that storyline and he's taking some pretty heavily like influence from like Castlevania with the guy mm-hmm. with the whip and some castles in old Europe and all that kind of stuff. But it's really cool. Yeah. And I really liked that part of it. And I like sort of the, uh, adding in, I, I always liked when Scott Snyder would do stuff like that, where he would go into the lore of Gotham, explain the history of like Arkham and Wayne and the other people who sort of founded the city. So it's, it's very heavily influenced by two things, definitely Castlevania and then definitely Scott Snyder has some heavily, heavily influenced, um, heavy, heavy, heavy influence right there. Yeah. So um, let's, uh, let's just do some, some brief thoughts on, on one and two. I think uh, one, we get, uh, we get a little bit of a uh, uh, story with uh, what's going on with this universe as Azrael. Yeah. Um, I thought one thing that was interesting was uh, the way he drew Azrael. He's sort of like, uh, he's a superhero and he's got, he's got like, a, a, you know, he's got like a little bit of a superhero physique, but he's also sort of like, a, you know, he's sort of a rounded, uh, a, you know, it's, it was, it was an interesting take. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of plays into what we sort of criticized with, uh, the, when we first saw these first images for Batman and stuff like that, like Murphy's not bad at drawing anatomy, but he's kind of weird about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's sort of a, I don't know. There's sort of like a paradox with like, with Azrael's thing. Cause he's like pudgy, but somehow in shape, that kind of thing. Like he's like got a gut, but somehow still a six pack and things like that. And, um, yeah, it's just weird, you know. Like it's uh, it's it's like it's not bad, but it's just weird anatomy on Murphy's part when it comes to drawing, uh, Azrael. So what you said, yes, it's interesting. I guess more than anything, it's an interesting choice. Yeah, he's almost like uh, he's almost like one of like your your NFL linemen. That's like yeah. uh, like a strong guy that, but is he doesn't have doesn't have the the 97 pack that uh, Batman has going on on his side abs. No, the 97, yeah, the 97 side abs that are just like, no, that's that's not how it works, Sean. Um, but yeah, whatever. 
there's a uh, there's some great uh, sh- there, there's some great uh, stuff going on with Azrael though, mm-hmm. and that sort of plays into what Sean Murphy's best at, you know, and that's showing not telling. Like I really hate it like almost when the characters start to talk in this story because this sequence with him at the doctor it's just two pages but it it's the most moving out of the whole issue where i really care about this character Mm -hmm. you know and he doesn't have to talk and i have to say that too like when he doesn't crowd the page with bubbles and stuff like that like it's really great i just almost wish he would like you know i don't know cut down some of the dialogue in certain sequences, especially in this, the, those pages that we talked about a couple months back when we saw these first images. There's a lot of dialogue here. And it would just sort of be nice if he just let his not crowd the panels. Yeah. So um, we, we, get the, we get the backstory with... Uh with Azrael in the, in the first issue. Um, and then in the second issue, we, we get a little bit more of uh, the Wayne ancestor coming to, to America um, and, and, and Gotham. Uh, I, uh, yeah, keep on, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, but uh, then we, then from an issue two, you know, that, we we sort of start off with that uh, that past storyline, but then we go to to the to the, to the I guess maybe the present storyline, yeah, um, where we we find out the the status of uh, some of the some of the people we we know from this Gotham. Um, we, we see that uh, Harley is with child. Um, uh, we see that Jim Gordon, um, and I'm going to turn this over to you in a second. Uh, is is yes. giving is giving a giving a press conference. So why don't you, uh, uh, why don't you give us your thoughts here on, on that? Uh, this is the, my least favorite part. And it just shows like, I don't know what Sean Murphy thinks of these characters. Um, Cause I was, I was just been reading, I've been rereading some Scott Snyder stuff again mm-hmm. and Scott Snyder and a lot of other Batman writers really think, and well, like, okay, Let's even look at like year one, Batman year one with Frank Miller, which is the modern, is the, is the basis for the modern Jim, Jim Gordon, basically, right? Like he's not an idiot, that kind of thing. So at the end of year one, like at least in the middle of year one, Jim Gordon knows Bruce Wayne is Batman, mm-hmm. you know? And he never says it though, because he's sort of conflicted because he doesn't want, almost want to know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And there's always that gene. That's sort of a nice thing about the character. It makes him very nuanced, you know? And I've read other stories too, where like he knows Barbara is Batgirl, that kind of thing. But he cares so much for her, but at the same time is so conflicted again, like even more conflicted with her than he is with Batman that he's like, I don't want to say anything, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So in other words, Jim Gordon's not an idiot, (laughs) that kind of thing. Like he's not... He's not like the most oblivious character in the world. And Sean Murphy doesn't write him as an idiot sometimes. But then he has this stupid sequence where he gets mad at Barbara for not telling him her telling him that she's Batgirl. And I'm like, you it's just like you've talked with her as Batgirl. How did you not know she was Batgirl? And he's like, Oh, I just was in denial and stuff like that. And I was like, oh boy. 
Uh, like, yeah, that's, uh, that's, it's, you know, you're supposed to be able to suspend your disbelief here, but sometimes it's a little, it's a little hard to, to, to do that, a, that a father wouldn't be able to recognize his own daughter just because she's got a, uh, you know, her, her, her eyes covered with, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a disguise there. So. Yeah. And then he gets mad about it. Like I, this is another thing too, with Sean Murphy is that often more often than not his drama just comes from people shouting at each other and that's a rookie mistake to create drama i think in a lot of ways because if everybody's shouting at each other all the time it's not going to mean anything you know Mm -hmm. it's it's the less is more idea with everything right so if you're just keeping the same tone all the time it's not going to matter when something really important happens and the shouting matters because everybody even from the first issue Dick Grayson is yelling at is yelling at Batman. Um, at the beginning of this issue, the Wayne guy is yelling at the new Azrael, that kind of thing. Then there in the first issue, the one guy is yelling at is yelling at the Joker, and then in this one, the the lady's yelling at Bruce Wayne. It's just there's a lot of like that's pretty much what this dialogue consists of, is just people yelling at each other and like it, it gets taxing it gets like it gets to be kind of like uh old after a while but then you get cool pages like this awesome shot of Azrael like walking and his sword is flaming and stuff like that and that cool splash page mm-hmm. and that's why i'm like oh that's right that's why i'm reading this series when i get too frustrated with the dialogue and stuff like that so yeah, yeah, so this this ends on a uh, this ends on a, a really cool action sequence. Yes, um, it's with, awesome with, with the Batcave uh, yeah. getting blown up, and I wouldn't be surprised if the next two issues of this is pretty action packed, and and we get uh, you know we we're getting car chases, we're getting you know we're getting people jumping off of off of buildings and, and stuff like that. So. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping for that because that came too late in the last series. Um there's too much talking basically in the last series, but this whole sequence with the with the the back cave blown up, we could do a whole podcast just talking about how great the pa- the pacing is in this mm-hmm. with the sound effects and the little dialogue, but it's so clear on the action and the geography. Um there's that great double page spread where it's got you know it's the bendis page i guess you could say right because it's got the five panels up top and uh then just the one wide shot panel that shut that goes across both pages it's mm-hmm. just a, it's a great way to end the sequence and then ending on a splash page is pretty awesome as well um that's just composed really well with uh with sean murphy's singular curved I like uh, composition where like, you know, he has you start from left to right all the way down zigzagging. Um, yeah, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool final sequence. And again, it was something where I was, I was getting frustrated with certain things that Murphy's not good at, but then I was reminded, I was like, this is what he's good at. And like, why doesn't he just stick with this stuff? Like, like Yeah but maybe we have to suffer through all that bad stuff so that the good stuff really sticks with you. Maybe. 
Yeah, I, uh, I'm, 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 I'm hoping, I'm hoping that 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 is the case, yeah. um, and uh, hopefully I can get a pretty good deal on this uh, this last page after the uh, after the splash, the the completely black yeah. page. Yeah. I, 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 maybe 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 a couple hundred dollars uh, of uh, original art for for the 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 black page. I'm sure his arts his art got way more expensive after he did Curse of the White Knight, um, because that book sold a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, oh yeah. It like that pushed him from being the underdog, like really good artist, that kind of thing, to being like the the new Jim Lee, basically. Yeah. All right. Do you uh, do you want to do you, do you have any 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 thoughts any predictions on uh, either one of these two books? Uh, what we might see coming coming forward going forward? Um, I guess I should say. Yeah, going forward, I think we're gonna have some cool interaction. Like I, I think the one thing that the two characters that uh, Murphy's really good at writing, he's really good at writing the Joker. I have to say that. Like he's not bad at it at all. Like he's actually pretty solid with it. He's yeah. really good at drawing the Joker. So I'm really excited to see him, what uh, what the Joker and Azrael's interaction is going to be like going forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, Murphy also understands the Joker's role and better in this in this series. It seems like that he's just an agent of chaos and just shows up without any reason. But then, you know, it'll all start fitting together in the end. Mm-hmm. So it'll be great to see him. So both you know, Joker, who's led by a glorious purpose of chaos. And then Azrael, who's led by the glorious purpose of like order, that kind of thing. When they meet up with each other, it's going to be really cool to see. And Murphy writes both of those characters really well, so it's going to be great. Um, yeah, and we and didn't similarly we... in Doomsday Clock. It's sort of the same way that like Jeff Johns is really good at writing Superman. And he seems to be really good at writing Doctor Manhattan. So I'm really interested to see how they meet up with each other. Yeah, and we didn't actually thinking about that. We didn't get a lot of joke. We haven't had a lot of Joker in yeah. Doomsday Clock. Um, he was he was he was there early, um, and he was early in issue one of this series, and they, he hasn't been seen. So uh, we you know that could be that could be uh, somebody that we see um, uh, wreaking some havoc here uh, pretty soon. Yeah, I'm loving that. Uh they're doing the preview pages for the next issues in the back yeah. of these issues. So we get to see what, what is going to come. And I really love that we get to see them in the black and white raw inks. And um, we know that like Sean Murphy doesn't use, he waters down his inks to save money, which is really smart. Um, so it's really cool to see his sort of like more grayish inks um like flat just right straight on the page so we know we know what is going to come but i I think it's more of a treat just to see his raw artwork as the previews yeah those those pages are 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 beautiful to look at yeah all right well uh that's gonna do it for for our recap uh this was a very uh dc uh centric uh episode which is good because we've been we've been uh showing Marvel a lot of love lately with the, the house of X and powers of 10 and stuff. So it was good to, to go back uh, and, and take a look at some DC books. Yeah, it was really great. I, yeah. I love, I'm, I'm like, I, as much as I tear these apart, I really love these books. I really do. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to double dip on both of them and have the issues and the trades at some point in time. Cause I do love them. Yeah, definitely for me, I, I, I will be double dipping on, um, 
Doomsday Clock. One, because I probably can't find my earlier issues in whatever yeah. box that they're in from uh, a year and a half ago. So I, I do need them all all put together. So yeah, um, I hear you that I hear that because I just found mine. That, like <laughs> it took me a long time, and I don't even have as many as you do. And I I was like, oh, here they are. Yeah. So yeah. all right. Well, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And if uh, they could go on Apple uh, podcast and give us a rating or review or whatever other podcasting service they're using uh, to give us a follow on Twitter. We are at construct Compod. We are on Instagram at constructing comics pod. And we are on Facebook at uh, Facebook forward slash constructing comics. Uh, if you want to check out our, youtube channel under the same name of constructed comics we do have a creator spotlight on uh sean murphy where we talk a lot about the different aspects of his art um and i will i will put some uh i'll put some more examples up on our on our social media and i'd like to uh thank everybody for joining us and we'll be back with a another episode uh very soon